0: This episode of Radio Fear Macabre contains sensitive topics, such as rape, in regards to both reality and fiction. If you feel like you don't need that, completely understandable. We'll see you in the next one.
1: So we opened a movie rental store. Yup. And we got a bunch of cursed tapes. Uh Uh-huh. And I said not to watch them, but you wanted to. Oh, yeah. And now we find ourselves chained up in some demonic cathedral, guest to a satanic
0: cult performing a blood ritual. Oh, yeah. And none of this bothers you. Oh, Justin, I'm actually terrified beyond all rational thought and reasoning right now. But, uh, what are you going to do? These chains are pretty thick.
2: Silence, you whelps. The ritual begins and we will not have you too. Idiots messing this up. Well, I take offense to that.
0: Yeah, you're not being a very good host. Maybe chill out a bit. I mean, we are the ones chained up here. Yeah, cut us a little slack. Literally, this is getting kind of tough. I said silence! Yeesh, okay.
1: Fine, whatever, man.
0: Somebody woke up on the wrong
2: side of the demonic bed. <laughs> Enough of this. Bring out the Maiden. Oh, shit, we got maidens in here? Dude, calm down. As you can see, the maiden is with child. This unborn is the key, the key to our future, the key to the days of end to Satan's reign.
0: Oh, ma'am, you look absolutely lovely. You're just glowing. How far along are you? You moron, she's about to give birth.
1: Brandon, thank you for forgetting about the whole weight of this situation.
0: Oh yeah, the antichrist probably, right, and all that. Um, But still, this is a big moment for her.
2: Quiet, now we will begin the ritual. As she passes along, a child, unto this world, the Black Sacrament begins.
0: Ugh, this is kind of awkward. Yeah, nothing weirder than being around for a birth where you don't know anybody. Uh, we got some time to kill Justin while we try to not pay attention to this. PUSH! PUSH! Got a very important question for you, Brandon. What's that, Justin? Why in the fuck are we here? Uh, I don't really know. I'm sure we're going to find out, but until then, uh, why don't we just uh, get the elephant out of the room of what's really going on here. Uh, Are you talking about Rosemary's Baby? Yeah, let's talk about that. Radio Fear Macabre. Holy shit, we're back. Uh, And sorry for the delay. I got super sick. But I'm Brandon. Here's Justin. What's going on, everybody? And we're here in our first big event, Fear in the Faith, which I'm super, super excited about. Where every week of the month, we're coming to you with a new bit of horror content that has to do with the oldest boogeyman in history. The devil. And our first movie that we're talking about is Rosemary's Baby. This
3: is no dream, this is really happening. And
0: if you like that intro for our new series that's made by the wonderful Gory Rory, who always does our music, please go check him out at his YouTube, Gory, G-O-R-Y space Rory, R-O-R-Y. Thank you so much, Gory. You always got our back on the music. Appreciate it, bud. Now, uh, before we get into anything else, it has to be said, anytime anyone talks about this movie, it has to be said. This movie is directed by Roman Polanski. He's a very controversial figure, as we all know. And we here at Radio Fear Macabre only like our monsters in the fictional sense. But real monsters, fuck them. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And, um... That guy's a monster. Getting into this, uh, I gave a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Usually we don't do that, but uh, I feel like for this episode we should, because if you don't know Roman Polanski, he's a pedophile rapist who fled the country to evade his jail sentence. He's still making movies somehow because France won't extradite him, which means we need a Batman in real life (laughs) (laughs) to go get him but uh yeah he's he's a terrible person on this show we typically want to avoid movies when the creator has such a reputation like we're not going to be talking about jeepers creepers on this show for the same reason and we're not going to be talking about the burning which is unfortunate because that's a really good movie and it fits well with something we're doing in the future but uh, we're not talking about those movies, so why are we talking about Rosemary's Baby? First of all, it's very historically important, and you hear that said a lot from everyone who covers this film, that Rosemary's Baby is too important in the history of the horror genre to not cover, despite Roman Polanski's involvement with it. That isn't a good enough reason for me, specifically, and uh, Justin here has been kind of scratching his head over while we're covering this, Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping today I can shed some light on why I think it's okay for us to cover Rosemary's Baby, because one, it gives us an opportunity to talk about this sort of thing that happens in every genre, in the mo- in movie business in general, And two, I present the horror community today, so all of the horror fam, mutant fam, everyone, I need everyone to listen to this because I'm presenting a case today to where we, as a community, as a horror community, people who love the spooky shit need to stop giving Roman Polanski so much credit for Rosemary's Baby. And I feel very strongly about this because all those other movies we're not going to talk about is because those people that did horrible shit and then made those movies were very much involved with those movies. I think Rosemary's Baby, a case can be made for it, that this is hardly Roman Polanski's fucking film, and his name needs to be removed from it, and he needs to stop being given so much credit. And I'm presenting that argument here today on this episode before we get into the discussion of the movie. Are you with me? I'm with you. Hell yeah. Okay, so I present to the horror community my argument. A lot of you are probably wondering, well, he's the director. Of course he's involved in the movie. Well, you see, this movie is an adaptation of a book by Ira Levin, also titled Rosemary's Baby. This is an argument against the auteur theory. I don't think that this one goes with the auteur theory at all. I think this is very much a producer's film. Roman Polanski was chosen to direct this movie, a adaptation for a book. But originally, if a certain man had his way, Roman Polanski wouldn't have been involved at all. And that man is William Castle.
1: I am William Castle the director of the motion picture you're about to see.
0: If that name sounds familiar, we've talked about William Castle before on a History of Horror episode. The guy who's responsible for those cheesy 50 movies with all the gimmicks within the theaters, the buzzers on the seats and the skeleton flying across the, the, the movie theater, William Castle actually got a pre-release of this book because of his you know connections and his legacy as a horror film director he was sent an early release of the book Rosemary's Baby he read the book and he brought it to Robert Evans and told Robert I want to direct this film you need to read this book I want to direct it but Evans was not interested at all having William Castle direct this movie this was going to be a triple-a top-tier film really heady all that, and he knows William Castle's style, with the skeletons and the buzzers in the sea. Castle was a a B-movie director. Evans didn't want him to direct it. Evans actually got Polanski, who was a a rookie director at the time, he saw his film, Cul-de-sac, and he convinced William Castle to have Roman Polanski on the project as director. Roman Polanski had dinner with William Castle, and that's what convinced William Castle during their discussion over dinner, he can work on it and uh, William Castle produced it. But, even though William Castle was only producer of this film, you can feel William Castle's presence throughout the film, because this movie, as heady as it may be, it has plenty of that old-school William Castle hokiness to it, sprinkled in there as well. And you don't really feel Roman Polanski's style in this movie, But William Castle, his style is definitely felt in this, especially during the rape scene of Rosemary, Mia Farrow's character, and having a guy in a rubber devil outfit (laughs) with those big honky devil gloves touching Mia Farrow's body double, because Mia Farrow didn't want to do the nude scenes for this movie, all over her body, which there's a funny story to that later, but with that and some of the humor brought into the movie... You can just feel Castle's presence all over this. But, Roman's the director, so of course he was directing the movie, right? He had to have made creative liberties and choices, and made this movie his own, right? When you see the film Jurassic Park, it's a book by Michael Crichton, directed by Steven Spielberg, but when you watch the movie, it's a Spielbergian movie. Or more infamously, uh, The Shining. Now The Shining, written by Stephen King, was adapted to film by Stanley Kubrick. And it's very much a Kubrick film, and it's so different from the book that Stephen King actually hates the movie because of how different it is. So what's different in Rosemary's Baby from the book? Turns out, not a lot. (laughs) Uh, As a matter of fact, Pretty much follows the book to a T. uh and the only th- differences in there other than s- certain key things are mostly just different because there's not enough time to fit the whole book into a movie like uh, there's some characters missing like uh rosemary's sister there's a few phone conversations with her and rosemary and that's about it <laughs> there's a lot more detail in some of the background characters like the guy who operates the elevator lift and all that in the book that doesn't make it a movie but that's just for time other than that all roman polanski did was slim this book down to where it'll fit into a movie and then made that movie his only directing he had to do was make sure everybody did what the book said now that to me doesn't feel like it's his movie he's just porting it to he's film just, he's just there yeah but a lot of the creative choices, as we said, was made not by Roman Polanski, but William Castle. So if he didn't really make any calls to who, what happens in this movie, then who did? Enter Ira Levin, the author of the book, was inspired by his own wife's experience with pregnancy and wrote the book. Also, uh, during the time that he wrote this in the sixties, there was a rise of, uh, secularism and a decline in religion. Uh, you know, we entered into the age of drug, sex, and rock and roll. Everything in the sixties also was just like politically heating up and everything like that. So Ira Levin wrote this book, Rosemary's Baby, based off of all these inspirations. It's a great book. It's a wonderful book. And that's why the movie's good. Not because of Roman Polanski, but because of Ira Levin and William Castle. Director Roman Polanski, he had to have had some decisions, right? Like casting? Well, he did cast Ruth Gordon as Minnie in the film and changed the character to be more of a Jewish New Yorker mom type instead of in the book, how she's depicted in the book as a heavier set Midwestern woman. And so That's one change he did. When he was looking for who to play Rosemary in Rosemary's Baby, Polanski wanted, as he's quoted saying, a milk-fed, all-American woman to play Rosemary, which to me means he wanted blonde hair, blue eyes, and a well-chesty woman. But it was actually Robert Evans who wanted Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow, she was popular at the time. She had just gotten married to Frank Sinatra, and she had a very youthful look to her. And uh, that's who Evans imagined as Rosemary. So out of the out of the gate, we don't we don't, our our protagonist of the film not chosen by Polanski. Uh, he also, and the studio, also wanted Robert Redford to play as Guy in the movie, but the studio was also suing Robert Redford at the time, so he basically told them to go fuck themselves. Also. Just to note, Jack Nicholson was auditioned for the role of Guy, but didn't get it.
1: His face looked a little too evil.
0: Yeah, he looked a little too sinister from the get-go. They wanted someone who... I wonder be... why. <laughs> well, that's okay. He has the chance to play a really shitty husband later in The Shining.
1: <laughs> does a damn good job, He Does an, like
0: an amazing it. job at that.
2: Here's Johnny! <laughs>
0: And Polanski had to be convinced to be in this movie anyway. uh, Robert Evans wanted Polanski to do it, so he sent Polanski the script for a ski movie, knowing that Polanski was a fan of outdoor sports, and also, along with that script, sent him the book of Rosemary's Baby. He's like, hey, I want you to do this ski movie, but also, uh, give us a read. And so he did the book instead. Really. Polanski hardly got his fingers in this movie at all. In fact, what he's most credited for in the making of this film is just kind of fucking around on set and pulling a prank on Mia Farrow. They had a mutual friend, Polanski and Farrow did, and Tony Curtis, you know him as the father of Jamie Lee Curtis, in the scene where Rosemary calls the actor who went blind for Guy to get his part He actually had Tony Curtis be on the line, and that's why you see that actual look of confusion in Rosemary's face while she's on the phone, because she recognizes the voice but can't place who it is. That's a Polanski move. But you know what else is a fucking Polanski move? When they were filming the shot of a very pregnant Rosemary having to walk into traffic while she's in a dazed state, he actually makes Mia Farrow walk into actual New York traffic. And he had to film it himself because no other cameraman would do it. And when he brought it up to Mia Farrow and she didn't want to do it, he had to convince her by saying, Don't worry, nobody will hit a pregnant woman. So that scene where you see her almost get hit by a car, she actually almost got hit by a car. That's fucked. That's what Roman Polanski did in this movie. Everything else, William Castle, Robert Evans, and the cast. And Roman Polanski couldn't even get along with some of the cast. John Kastevets, the guy who plays Guy, he was an improv before this and he wanted to improv a lot of stuff and apparently him and Roman Polanski, who was very controlling on the set, would get into yelling matches, like absolute screaming their heads off at each other during the filming of this film over methods and acting because John wanted to do his thing, Roman wanted him to do Roman's thing. So Roman Polanski made a movie, based off of a book, and had it so close to the book, William Castle was even quoted telling him, you know, it's a movie, you could change some things up. He just followed the book to a T, didn't get along with the actors, and hardly anyone he wanted casted got into the fucking movie. William Castle's effects are in the film, you see his smoke and his mirrors and his 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 costumes, design and all of that, and William Castle is even in the fucking movie, in the end hardly a Roman Polanski film and I think everybody just needs to kind of shoo him and his legacy and his name off of the film it's a wonderful film and I think it's only so great because Roman Polanski hardly did anything other than the bare minimum as a director but everyone else that worked on it was great I agree that makes sense now? Yeah. why, why I said we should do this movie? yeah that and I love the movie. <laughs> this is one of my favorite horror movies of all time.
1: Surprised it's not a top three.
0: Well, there's a lot of great movies out there. <laughs> my rant's over. We can get into doing the episode now. <laughs> well,
1: before that, let's get to horror headlines.
2: Here's your horror headlines on Radio.
0: First up on Horror Headlines, Universal Studios went to CinemaCon, and they showed footage, the very first footage, from Halloween Ends, presented by Jamie Lee Curtis. I haven't seen the footage. I don't think anybody outside of no, it's the just con that. has seen footage.
1: It's just that. They have said that uh, it kind of starts off 44 years ago, and then it just shows footage from the old Halloween movies, and then it shows kills from the movie that came out in 2018. Him and Lori start getting in a brawl. Supposedly they said it's a really brutal fight. Sarah Connor, Lori Strode <laughs> again. Then the trailer supposedly ends with Michael laying down on a table with Lori above him. When do we figure out that Michael is just a fucking Terminator? I guess in the new Terminator movie. I guess so. (laughs) This is Myers T-3500. (laughs) T31st. In other news in the horror headlines, something that you'll be really excited for, Brandon. Uh, Why?
0: Because I am a major Nightmare on Elm Street fan and I'm always fucking tired? Exactly! If only there was a perfect product for me so that I can stay awake during the day, after a long night of not sleeping. And also enjoy some of the finest work from my favorite horror director, Wes Craven. Oh, fucking wait! Never Sleep Again is (laughs) a new coffee brand made in the spirit of Nightmare on Elm Street. Dead Sled Coffee, who made the Bloody Disgusting's official 20th anniversary bloodbath blend, had a deal with Warner Brothers and they have a two years licensing rights to a handful of horror franchises, including their first one they're coming out with, Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: They also got rights to Friday the
0: 13th, awesome. *Freddie vs. Jason, if they want to do a blend of their Nightmare and their Friday coffees. They got Beetlejuice, which that, you know, that that writes itself, juice, Beetlejuice, <laughs> coffee bean juice. I
1: wonder what blend they would use for Freddy vs. Jason, just a little bit of the Never Sleep Again with some uh, Crystal Lake sauce.
0: Oh, what? <laughs> I said crystal-like blend. Well, it's a coffee, not sauce. But, um, and they have it, chapter one and two. So, we're gonna see some, uh, what is it? Um, You'll float in this coffee, too, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm a coffee drinker. It sounds delicious. And I guarantee the first thing I, when I do get this coffee, because I will get this coffee, the first thing I want to say want to take a big sip. I'll be like, ah, bitch. Grab your first bag for
1: $19.99.
0: Ooh, that is... Some expensive coffee. Less than I thought it was going to be. But also, in, in that sense, uh, I noticed uh, the Godzilla franchise has their own official hot sauces and barbecue rubs. Dry rubs. Ooh. And I looked into it. It's a limited time deal. And it's a bit pricey. Speaking of giant lizards,
1: Jurassic World Dominion has released uh, the new trailer. For the movie that's coming out on June 10th. I haven't seen it. What's it like, Justin? There's dinosaurs. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs roaming. No, for real. Dinosaurs are roaming the entire fucking, like, world. Because, you know, at the end of the last movie, they were released, and they're everywhere.
0: I feel like that was the natural thing to go to after Jurassic Park 2, and they didn't. And so we've been blue balling this this whole time until now.
1: But now they're just finally going.
0: N- now they're doing it. Cause now they're going to completion. They're concluding. They're, conclu- <laughs>
1: they're concluding. They're going to conclude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're concluding with, uh, in where they can't conclude. They're going to replace it with some uh, frog DNA and then nature finds a way. Speaking of dinosaurs, uh, there's a JALLO collection coming out. <laughs> And if you're a dinosaur like me, you might like JALLO. The JALLO Essentials Black Edition is coming soon. Arrow Video announced it recently. The collection arrives on July 26, 2022.
1: I mean, small Before Death, The Weapon, The Hour, The Motive, The Killer Reserve, Nine Seats.
0: It's full of movies that aren't The Bird with a Crystal Plumage. So if you want some deep cut JALLO classics, pick this up. I probably will as well and what I am most excited for in recent news kinda groovy news? very groovy news the Evil Dead game we've been getting more and more news about the Evil Dead game coming out May 13th on a Friday and we're very very excited to see it it's a 1v4 asymmetrical horror multiplayer game with a bunch of cast from the Evil Dead movies and the TV show and I've been watching video after video of it nonstop. you guys should if you're interested in this go on YouTube and look at stuff IGN and GameSpot and all of them have been posting about it. They also did like a, a video with like Smosh and all of them. Game looks really, really damn good. It looks so much fun and it looks very intuitive and in depth.
1: Looks like a game we're going to be playing until in the wee hours of the night.
0: Yes. And on that, a bit of uh, podcast horror headlines. When this game does come out on release day, we will be streaming it on twitch on our twitch channel
1: radio underscore fear underscore macabre
0: yes i hope you guys will join us for that and that concludes today's horror headlines now on to our main topic rosemary's baby otherwise despite everything else very much enjoy and Justin here has now seen it three times
1: <laughs> yeah folks first time I try to watch this movie it could not grab my attention I guess because it was really slow building I don't know if it was just a combination of I was just fucking tired we've been watching other horror movies before this and this one was just kind of so much different that it didn't really gravitate towards me slower burn really, really slow burn. It's not really in your face with gore or jump scares or nothing like that. After the third time I watched it, I enjoy the movie. I caught a lot more that I missed in the previous viewings lots of stuff behind the scenes going on while it's following the story
0: of rosemary well not really behind the scenes but in the background yes yeah. like
1: the part where they're eating dinner with their neighbors yeah and as they're cleaning dishes guy's talking with roman on the couch and you don't know what they're talking about well now you know what the hell they're talking about
0: <laughs> yeah that's when uh, he was getting him in on what they're actually about and all that yeah uh this, yeah
1: like, let, let, let the devil
0: get your wife pregnant and you'll have a wonderful acting career yeah this is the kind of movie where uh, a lot goes on in the background that's not you know spoken or brought to the foreground and to your immediate attention but if you pay attention to it it's telling a whole story in the background yeah guy's a piece of shit and that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh there, there's there's a bunch of scenes like that like there's the scene when Rosemary is in the bed and she's having the pains and she's not feeling well and Hutch had come over he called her and guy gives her the phone and she talks to Hutch and then guy was like what was that all about and she she tells him like oh I'm meeting Hutch at so such and such time and all that tomorrow um he wants to like tell me something. Really important, and you see, guy kind of like freak out, and he's like, "Oh, you know the what? Uh It's just so crazy. You, you're you're the one that's pregnant, and I'm the one getting cravings. I'm gonna go get some ice cream. Would you like some?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And he said that like right after she said, "Oh, I'm meeting with Hutch tomorrow," yeah. and so he leaves, and you know, you assume like, "Oh, he's he's leaving to get her ice cream," but you can hear faintly in the background the neighbors Roman and Minnie their doorbell ring. Uh huh right after he leaves so he went straight to their house Uh uh-huh and if that's something like if you pay attention to you're like oh my god wow they really thought this through and then it's followed immediately by the next scene rosemary going over there and ringing their doorbell and it's the exact same sound but louder yep so (laughs) pretty much from the beginning of the movie to the end it's already everything's set
1: in motion everything's freaking planned and it's real terrible for rosemary
0: yeah but the I think the movie handles stuff like that pretty clever. We kind of get a foresight early on in the movie that things aren't going to go well for Rosemary, like through uh, Terry, the girl that she meets in the laundry room yes and then you know she winds up dead shortly after that she is basically the first rosemary they were attempting what they were doing to rosemary with with terry first and when they saw rosemary they're like oh okay well i think what it was is like stuff with terry wasn't working out like she wasn't getting pregnant she wasn't going to be pregnant or or um i think what it was is they actually like told her straight up what was going to happen and asked her if she could be part of it, and she said no. And they killed her. So then that's why they got all sneaky with Rosemary. And you can actually hear Roman and Minnie arguing about Terry near the beginning of the movie. During Rosemary's dream, she's dreaming stuff, and she's overhearing Roman and 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 Minnie arguing about Terry. But it she since Rosemary doesn't have that context, is making her dream other stuff. And like the nuns in her dream are saying stuff that roman and many are saying like you got her too high they were talking about they've drugged terry and got her too high but like they when they say that in rosemary's dream she's on the ceiling of like the sistine chapel she's like literally too high you know yeah so like in her weird dream brain she's like putting a different context to what they're arguing about but they're arguing about terry and you see that more than once in this movie and uh that's this uh, like the big thing in this movie one of my favorite things is the dream sequences are done really well
1: yes it's uh, and while she's having those
0: dream sequences what's really
1: going on is sort of in the dream sequence also but
0: it's yeah the the conversations he's overhearing but you know she's dreaming so they're being implemented in wacky ways yeah trippy as hell yeah and uh those dream sequences i i 100 think was like is very much uh william castle style direction with those dreams the funny story that i alluded to during my rant the devil rape scene
3: this is no dream this is really happening
0: The scenes of that where Mia Farrow was in it because like I said, she had a body double, but of course they had to have shots of like actual her in her face. Yes. Being basically naked while this guy in a rubber suit (laughs) just rubbed all over her. Apparently he was, according to Mia Farrow, a gentleman. And after he was done rubbing all over her naked body, he gets up, offers his hand down and goes, Miss Farrow? It was a pleasure and honor working with you. <laughs> she she grabs his hands like thank you very much.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least he was nice about it. Yeah, another fact about that scene, famed Satanist leader of like the Satanist Church, Anton LeVay, he claims that he played as the guy in the devil outfit. And Rosemary's Baby and he's just full of shit <laughs> it is not him at all uh, he keeps saying that he was like involved in the making of that movie but he wasn't
1: yeah, one thing about the movie i actually liked and you pointed this out to me because i was like wait a minute how could that be a body double because there's a shot when they're both sitting down like having wine and stuff mm-hmm.
0: and getting naked awkward how they like just undress themselves it's like not romantic at all <laughs> so she was just like let's make love and they just he just like start taking off his pants but it was
1: really oh. clever or they cut it to where it was a different person as her yeah but during the movie you couldn't tell at all yeah it's like right when they
0: turn the lights off yeah right when he pulls the plug out of the lamp
1: for a movie in 68 that's actually a pretty good jump cut cause sometimes well jump cuts like that have been going on since film started well it was very well done because sometimes it's like obvious yeah this I could not fucking tell
0: yeah but yeah Mia Farrow she didn't want to be naked in the film well she was married to Frank Sinatra at the time <laughs> yeah but that didn't last very long this movie had a lot to do with it yeah it was the main reason yeah <laughs> Well, we, we talked about it on the, the History of Horror episode when we briefly mentioned Rosemary's Baby, but Frank Sinatra didn't want Mia Farrow to do this movie at all because he had a movie coming up that he wanted her to be a part of. Uh, so she, she went ahead and did this movie, and he was okay with it at first because it was going to end filming around the same time that they were going to start filming on his movie. But when this movie went over schedule by a lot... And she stuck with this movie he told her to quit and eventually she said no she uh talked to uh evans about it and she was like i think frank is going to divorce me if i keep working on this movie so i think i need to quit evans showed her a rough cut of like how the movie's gonna look finished. This was after they'd already done like a, a ton of filming. And so he, they, he showed her like a long rough cut of, uh, of the movie. He's like, you're gonna get an Oscar for this. And she was like, okay, well, then fuck it. I'll stay with the movie. <laughs> and uh, she was nominated, but she never did get the Oscar. But Frank Sinatra did show up on set, divorce papers in hand, and served them to Mia Farrow on the set of making this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, probably good for her, because Frank Sinatra is kind of a known abuser. So. Yeah,
1: didn't treat his women right.
0: Yeah. At all. Not at all. Though, she can't, she can't really escape the whole bad men thing because of her next husband. Uh, Woody Allen. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your things that you didn't like about the movie? I don't mind movies that have like a slow burn, but this one was just... I mean you liked the lighthouse and i would say that's a slower burn than this one
1: yeah I really can't put my finger on it but certain movies i get hooked on and i'm watching and i'm invested in the story but this one it just seemed like it was just
0: on and on and on and yeah. i was just like uh, well yeah the your first two times you weren't really paying attention to it The that third time though i walked in on you watching it and you were like, holy shit, they treat her like shit. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the the whole thing about this movie is... Well, I was going to say something. Oh, okay, One sorry. thing, uh,
1: I, will, I, I can't say the stuff I liked about the movie. Uh, a lot of stuff that actually shocked the hell out of me. She was really eating raw meat in the movie. Yeah, and Mia Farrow's a vegetarian. That like, was like, holy shit. Yeah, but she was willing to do that for, for the bit. For the movie. She did a very good job acting in this movie. Oh, Mia
0: Farrow's amazing in this movie. John Cassavetes he played Guy really well. Yes. Um, Despite all the shit between him and Roman Polanski not everybody letting Everybody did
1: the best they can. Ruth Gordon, she did a really good job she, with her character. She's my
0: favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> like, come on here, to get this,
1: drink this. Oh, drink this, honey, you feel much better. <laughs>
3: so nice. Look how you put the table in. Isn't that interesting? I saw it in a magazine. Oh, my. Nice painter, huh?
2: oh,
3: oh. That's nice. What is that? That's the TV room? Uh, well, only temporarily. It's going to be a nursery. Oh, you're pregnant? No, not yet. I hope to be as soon as we're settled. Well, wonderful. Well, you're young and healthy. I have lots of children. Uh, we plan to have three. I didn't see what you did to this apartment. The woman I had it before was a dear friend of mine. I know. Terry told me. Oh, did she? You two had some long talks together in the laundry room. Only one. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it looks so much brighter. What you pick a chair like that? Uh, oh, um, I'm not sure, really. I think about $200. does your hubby do? He's an actor. I knew it! I said it to Roman yesterday. He's so good-looking. What movies was he in? No movies. He was in two plays, called Luther and Nobody Loves an Albatross, and a lot of television and radio. Listen, Rosemary, I got a two-inch-thick silloin steak, sitting and defrosting and right this minute. when you and Guy come over and have supper with us tonight? What do you say? Oh, no, we couldn't. Why not? No, really, that's very kind of you. Listen would be we... a real help to us. <laughs> first night we'll be alone since are you sure it wouldn't be too much trouble oh you? honey if there's trouble I wouldn't ask you all right you go ahead and count on us I'll have to check with guy though listen you tell him I won't take no for an answer oh here's a mail
1: yeah they
0: play her like a fiddle yeah uh, this whole movie and that's and that's really the whole point of this movie Uh you take all the context of the whole devil thing out of it and it's still a movie about a woman being gaslit really hard and to think oh everything's okay no you're just you're over you're you're tired you're overthinking thing you know and nobody believing her and she's trying to let somebody know I need help and nobody believes her
1: exactly and when she finally thinks she's safe she has somebody she can trust and talk to oh now It was another doctor that was under Saperstein.
0: Yeah. Dr. Saperstein. uh, Was it Dr. Hill, wasn't it? Yes, Dr. Hill. Dr. Hill. um, And he's just like, oh, here, there she is. uh, Played by Charles Gordon, the dad from Beethoven. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, I don't don't think... It's kind of unclear whether or not he was part of the cult. I personally think he wasn't part of the cult. He just, like, didn't believe Rosemary. Well, I mean, real-life situation... What she was saying was a bit crazy. Well, if, you, if you're uh, not well, if you're not thinking about like if, what she was saying was a bit out there, but uh, this this is kind of like why people preach like believe women, believe women. when they tell you they're in danger or something, believe women, no matter how crazy it is, even if it sounds out there, even though she was saying stuff about like the devil and stuff like that, or the oh, witches, she was talking about witches, um. Even though I don't believe in witches, believe in devils, clearly this woman is distressed by the people around her and she might not be in a safe situation. Maybe get her some help. Get the authorities involved. Yes.
3: You could hear them singing through the wall. Guy, my my husband, Guy said it was Dr. Shand, one of these people playing a recorder. Now how did he know it was Dr. Shand unless he was there with them? Um they're very Clever people. They planned everything right from the beginning. They probably made some sort of deal with Guy. They gave him success, and he promised them our baby to use in their rituals. I know this sounds crazy, but I've I've got books here. Look. There was another actor like him, Donald Baumgart, and they put a spell on him. They cast a spell on him and made him blind so that Guy could get his part. Look. Here. I had this friend, Edward Hutchins. Maybe you heard of him, a writer. He wrote stories for boys. Anyway, he was my good friend since I first came to New York.
2: May I keep this?
3: Yes, please. And look, anyway, once Mr. Hutchins came to visit me, came to visit me, it was the time I was having this pain, doctor. I was suffering so, you can't imagine how much I was suffering. And they wouldn't help me. Nobody would. They were giving me a drink with tannis root in it. Also witch's stuff, tannis root. Hutch came and immediately saw something was wrong. He he knew about witches, you see. Suddenly Guy rushed in with his makeup still on, which he never did. They probably called him to come home and steal one of Hutch's belongings, which he did, took his glove and they put a spell on him too. Put him in a coma. Three months later, he died. Now, maybe all this is coincidence, but one thing is for sure, they have a coven and they want my baby.
0: But no, he just calls Dr. Saperstein, her doctor that was given to her, uh, or recommended to her by her, her neighbors, uh, Roman and Minnie, um, who is also part of the cult. She's surrounded by all these people that are in this uh, this coven, this cult, that worships the devil. Because uh, a rise in Satanism and, and all that was a big fear in the 60s, and that Times Magazine... That she sees in the waiting room at Doctor Saperstein's that says "Is God Dead"? Yeah, that was a real thing. That was a real time art, time magazine, time magazine's article and cover uh, that came out a few years before the movie, and it's actually it came out before the book. And uh, that's one of the things when Ira Levin saw it; it's what started giving him the idea for this for the book. Ah, oh. was uh, seeing that and reading that article. Oh, okay, and that article was a, a big deal at the time too I think this movie is like a really good example of several things kind of like like looking at like a, a time capsule it's a really good example of like a how women were treated yes B) the current fears of the times right and uh see the uh, the growing generational gap in the 60s between young and old and what their values were
1: and also, some of the scariest things are stuff that you can't see. First I hated it. Yeah. But now that I actually thought about it, the fact that you don't see what the baby looks like.
0: Oh, yeah. You're talking about the baby. Yeah. 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 That end scene was wild.
1: <laughs> Real powerful scene. I mean, she's distraught, obviously. First they lie to her and say that the baby died. Oh
0: God. Yeah. Which
1: no woman
0: ever wants to hear. No no they don't
1: they're literally lying to her to keep her away from the child
0: yeah getting into like characters uh, like the traits of the characters and things I like about them Rosemary specifically she's very clever she's always like quick to notice things and you'll hear it throughout the movie like uh, when when they went over to Romans and Minis for the first time uh, there's like they, they had dinner, they said did all that, and and uh, and she didn't mention anything about it until she got along with a guy back at their apartment. And she's like, all the pictures were gone. Yep. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, there uh, there was no pictures in the house at all. And some of them were turned over. And the only picture that was hanging up, you could see the, the space in the wall, uh, a bigger picture used to be there. She's very aware of her surroundings at like, all times. You'll hear her mumble stuff to herself about her surroundings and stuff like that, too where like she's like immediately notices that, notices that, or you know when they were lying to her and saying that the baby was dead, and they were keeping her in bed. She already knew they were lying. They, the, she, yeah, she knew they were lying, and the way she had to test it was putting that dirty spoon in the breast milk in the cup of breast milk that she had just pumped out, and seeing their reaction. She just did that to see their reaction to her putting the spoon in the breast milk, and of course the lady freaks out. Don't do that! And she's like, why? You just throwing it away basically is what she was saying but she's like why and she's like it's it's messy it's all (laughs) bullshit (laughs) bullshit lies and even in the
1: beginning when uh she the uh guy brought those two chocolate
0: drinks yeah the moose which uh many calls the chocolate mouses the chocolate 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 mouse Mouse. yeah she even knew there was something wrong with her drink Uh, the chalky
1: yeah chalky taste yeah But he's like, no, drink it, drink it,
0: drink it. Like, yes, it, don't be rude. Eat it's so
1: freaking it. obvious that he's fucking doing all
0: this shit. Yeah, uh, uh, the guy for being an actor, he's he a terrible, terrible at telling a lie. Because, <laughs> like, like later in the scene when they're at the they had the party and the party was over, and she was like, I want to talk to Doctor Hill instead of Doctor Saperstein, and he's like, that's not. He's trying to come up with something. He's like. It's not fair to Dr. Saperstein. It's terrible. (laughs) And and she rightly so freaks out. They're my
2: friends. They're a bunch of not very bright bitches who
1: ought to mind their own goddamn bitches.
3: All they said was get a second opinion. Rosemary, you got
1: the best doctor in New York. You know who Dr. Hill is? He's a Charlie Nobody. That's who he is.
3: I'm tired of hearing how great Dr. Saperstein is.
1: Well, we'll have to pay Saperstein, we'll have to pay Hill, well, it's out of the question. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh.
3: No, I'm, I'm not changing. I just want to go to Dr. Hill and get a second opinion.
1: I won't let you do it, Ro. I mean, because it's, uh, it's not fair to Saperstein.
3: Not fair to... What are you talking about? What about what's fair to me? Look,
1: if you want a second opinion, you tell Saperstein and, and, and let him decide.
3: No, and, I, I, I mean, want Dr. Hill.
2: At least if have that much person. If to then I'll, I'll,
1: He obviously does not give a shit about her.
0: Yeah, I,
1: at all. He cares more about his career than anything.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I think that's like the whole point of the character is that he's actually not a good actor.
1: He's terrible. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it, they tell
1: about all, all the stuff he did before. And it was just
0: low. He did com- and com- commercials and stuff. Yeah. Uh, But he wants to be a Broadway star, but he has to make a deal with the devil in order to get to there. He's not talented enough to get to there on his own. You see that he has a complete and total shift in character once all of this after the deal with Roman and all of that happens. By the way, Roman, the
1: actor who played Roman, he did a damn good job playing him.
0: He sure did. But uh, you see, Guy was excited near the beginning of the movie when like the Pope visited the baseball game and all that. And then afterwards, when him and Roman are talking, he's, he's like not a fan of the Pope anymore. He's just not a fan of anything. He's just... Uh,
1: and he tries to keep so much info away from Rosemary. Yeah. Like, oh, don't worry about it. You just focus on you. You do your thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's just focused on getting everything in order for the deal. He made very controlling as well. Like how he threw away her book from Hutch, Rosemary got a gift from Hutch, that book, all them witches, and he threw it away. Despite that being the last thing that he gave Rosemary before he died. And when she, she was like, there was a gift from Hutch. And he was just like, I wasn't thinking about it. Piece of shit.
1: Doesn't give a shit about her. He's just, she's just a tool to him in order to further his career
0: right and so is the baby
1: yeah he, he can care less about the baby either he and just, he's just let's just get this over with and after this over with, i'm just gonna disappear
0: and go let's get into just like how skeezy this fucking guy is with the whole like knock after she got knocked out with the moose and um she you know she had the dream and all of that and she woke up with the claw marks all over her. Hey, we had a rough night, must have got drunk last it, night. He was like, uh, like, oh, I promise I clipped them this morning, you know. <laughs> and she was like, I dreamed I was being raped. I he's like, well, you know, I didn't want miss to the, miss the window. And so, like, he, he took the blame of, like, having sex with her while she was knocked out, which is rape. Still rape, regardless if you're a husband or not. Yeah. You know, back then, it actually wasn't against the law to rape your spouse, which is awful. Yeah. Fucking terrible. But uh, he just, like, he's just, like, joking about it, and he even says something creepy, like, It was kind of fun in a necrophile kind of way. It's fucking sick. Piece of shit. <laughs> we don't like Guy here no which means the actor did a damn good job he making us hate him did a fantastic job being a despicable person <laughs> what 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 is worse right what What? Like, what is worse what him actually raping her in her sleep or the fact that he didn't the devil did and he took credit for it they're both terrible that's both are creepy, right? And, but something about that second one, something about what actually happened, is like creepy on a whole different level. I didn't even rape you. I'm just letting you believe I raped you so you won't know who did rape you. Yeah, that's fucked up. Ugh.
3: What time did I go to sleep?
1: You didn't go to sleep. You passed out. Uh, from now on, you get
3: cocktails or wine, not cocktails and wine, huh? The dreams I had.
2: Don't yell. I already filed them down. (laughs) I didn't want to miss baby night.
3: You... And
2: a couple of my nails were
1: ragged and... And it was kind of fun in a necrophile sort of way.
3: I dreamed someone was raping me. I don't know, someone inhuman. Thanks
2: a lot. What's the matter? Nothing. I didn't want to miss
3: the night. We could have done it this morning or tonight. Last night wasn't the only split second. Oh,
0: I was a little bit loaded myself. This film actually follows Rosemary throughout the film. There's not a scene that doesn't involve Rosemary. You are with her 100% through the movie.
1: Not one scene is without her.
0: Yeah. You don't get to see like what other people are doing in the absence of Rosemary. You are with her throughout the whole film and that is to give you exactly her point of view you own we only know what she knows we don't know anything that she doesn't when she finds out something we find out something and because of that and what's really clever about that is it also puts us in her headspace. it makes us paranoid yeah it makes us just as paranoid as she is. And a brilliant scene that shows this to you, shows you how paranoid you are with her, is in the telephone booth. She's in the telephone booth she just found out that dr saperstein is in the cult because he smells like tannis root according to the receptionist in his office made the comment like uh i'm I'm glad you're not you don't smell like that anymore i wish dr saperstein would follow that advice His, his aftershave smells like it or something like that so she promptly leaves lies and says oh my husband's waiting for me outside goes to the telephone booth she's drenched in sweat it's it's a hot day looking behind
1: her shoulders and freaked out because at any moment somebody can just grab her
0: yeah and she's she's on hold and she's waiting and waiting and the anticipation's growing and at some point a man just is standing right outside the telephone booth we see him but rosemary doesn't yet and then when she does see him she gets scared and we're scared for her because we don't know who it is and because we're at we're in her headspace we're also thinking what well, she's thinking it's a member of the witch's coven mm-hmm. uh, he turns around and i'm uh, william castle it's william castle i am william castle <laughs> with, a, with a grin on his face <laughs> this grin and a big old stogie just like how you doing <laughs> and and she leaves but that was a perfect scene showing us we are just as scared for her as she is for herself as, as viewers.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments of the movie.
0: Another good point in this movie is this interconnected lore with all them witches and Roman's father and and, and Tannis Root. It kind of has this own background story going on. And you see in the beginning of the movie, Terry, she had the necklace. Yes. She had the necklace. So she died with the necklace too. And then Minnie got it off of her and gave it to Rosemary, kind of symbolizing what we said earlier in the episode of terry was the first rosemary they passed it along to to rosemary yeah tannis root not a real thing apparently it stinks <laughs> supposedly well, good
1: enough for some people to put it in their aftershave,
0: though or their 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 vitamin shakes rosemary's being fed for, uh, by many throughout the movie
1: every single time she came into the door she was always holding something to give it to her oh here you go sweetie
0: here's you some more of your shake please drink it right now let me see it now. Drink it now. Don't let it go to waste. I don't want it to spoil. So forceful telling her to do stuff. Uh, Minnie's great in this movie. I love how nosy she is.
1: <laughs> Wait, let me look at this. Let me yeah. bring my friend over.
0: Uh, yeah, and all the, the that gaslighting, the secret gaslighting going on, uh, oh, and the controllingness of it all. Like when when Minnie brings her friends over, they're just there
1: to scope the place.
0: They yeah, they were there to just keep an eye on Rosemary. They just like plop on her couch and start sewing and like something that pointed out from the character i hate was that lady in the glasses i hated that character mostly when she stuck her tongue out at the ending at rosemary i'm like oh my god i hate that she comes in with minnie and sits down on the couch uh earlier in the movie dr saperstein told her and this is another point of uh how controlling everyone is uh don't read in any don't read any books. Don't talk to your friends. Basically, don't trust anybody's word but mine about this pregnancy and your neighbors. Yeah, yeah, and your neighbors that I I have approved and to, to give you drinks and shit. Um, don't do this. Don't do that. And like he'll just like grab her in scenes and shit. It's yeah. awful. But um, after he said that, uh, Minnie and her friend comes over to sew. They can see that she was reading a pregnancy book, and the friend just sits on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> These people in this apartment complex, are all controlling her life without making it super obvious. Like if she has anybody from the outside come over, they don't like it and they scope it out. Like uh, when Hutch comes over. You know, like Rosemary's kind of been left to her own all day and then Hutch comes over and all of a sudden everybody wants to come over. Roman doesn't like it. Yeah, Roman comes over and then Guy comes over, right? And that's, that's a beautiful uh, set of um, happenings. Right, how that how that kinda goes down in the background. So Hutch comes over to meet with Rosemary and they're talking. He's he's pretty honest with her. You look awful. Yeah. You what? look like shit. Why did you cut your hair like that? Well, I don't think he com- commented on her hair. Oh. Yeah, he commented on her appearance, her health. Yeah. She looks like like she's wasting away when she's pregnant. And she would say, oh, oh, my doctor says it's normal to lose a little bit of weight at the beginning. And and Hutch is like, that, no. Pregnant women gain weight. They don't lose weight. What are you talking about? (laughs) They're talking. Rosemary's kind of like giving her opinions about the people that live in the complex with her and how she doesn't, she feels alone and all that. And then Roman just pops in all of a sudden because Hutch is there because somebody he doesn't know is in... The house with rosemary so roman shows up and they talk and you can tell there's like tension immediately between hutch and roman mm-hmm. uh hutch is a smart guy and roman is up to no good hutch is on to roman roman knows hutch is on to roman <laughs> and so there's this tension you can and then, you know they they kind of like say a lot to each other without saying it Roman doesn't feel good about it, so he leaves. And shortly after he leaves, all of a sudden, Guy shows up. And you kind of can tell if you're paying attention. Roman called Guy over there to be like, "Hey, get this guy out of here. Like, he needs to. He's like, he's too smart. <laughs> he's too clever. He's on to some shit that not everything's okay. Get him the fuck out of here. Go get something of his." So Guy shows up. And he's like, oh, Hutch, hey, good to see you, all that. And, and uh, he talks to Hutch for a little bit. And then when Hutch is leaving, he's like, the guy sprints to the back where the closet's at to get his stuff. He's like, hey, I'll get your coat. Hold on, on. all yeah. right." Comes back. And then, oh, Hutch's glove is missing. And then later, you know, Rosemary finds out to put a hex or a curse on somebody. The coven needs an article of their or belonging of theirs. And so she pieces that together later when when, uh, Hutch falls into a coma and she gets the book All Them Witches. Hutch was hexed. And then she pieces together that the other actor who had the role that Guy would eventually get he lost it because he was hexed and she calls on the phone to talk to him and they, they traded ties guy and this other actor did.
1: Yeah, he was wearing a different tie.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that was that's another thing about Rosemary being like really aware of her surroundings. They didn't have a conversation about the tie. But guy came back home and he was and he had a different tie. She noticed. She just didn't say anything. So and all of this underhandedness and this secret controlling and stuff eventually just kind of boils Rosemary over to where she seems crazy. Which leads us to the climax of the film after, you know, the Dr. Hill and all of that. And then it all, the the payoff, she's been in bed for a while and she discovers in that back room, with the closet, she opens it and it winds up it goes to Roman's apartment she goes back there she knows her baby is not dead and I love the fact that Rosemary just doesn't give a fuck at this point she's not trying to like even sneak in there she's like people are in there I'm gonna grab this knife I'm gonna just walk the fuck in she just waltzes the fuck in and almost nobody notices her at first and then people eventually start looking at her and then that one lady with the glasses screams and she's just standing there like motherfuckers <laughs> I knew I wasn't crazy. And uh, Roman tries saying something, and, you know, they lied to her before, um, saying, like, oh, they were going off somewhere. I don't remember where they said that they were going to, but he wasn't supposed to be there, basically. And so she was like, I don't hear you. You're in so-and-so place. I don't hear you. You're not here. (laughs) And, you know, this is where we get the scene of... uh, She sees the baby and, it's eyes! What did you do to it's eyes? And that's when Roman says, He has his father's eyes. Guy's eyes aren't yellow,
2: what do you mean?
3: (laughs) What have you done to it? What have you done to it's eyes?
2: He has his father's
3: eyes. What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac?
0: They spell it out for her. It's, it's no... They don't even spell it out for They just say it. Yeah. His He is the son of Satan, and that's... Minnie's he's like, out of all the women in the world, he chose you to be the mother of his only given son. Uh, and that's where we get some William Castle-ness going on. God is dead!
2: Satan lives! Hail Satan! Hail Satan!
0: Uh, so William Castle.
2: Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father. And his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail! No. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! No. Hail Satan.
3: He chose you out of all the world, out of all the women in the whole world. He chose you. He arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son.
0: His power is stronger than stronger. His might shall last longer than longer. Yes, Satan.
2: No. It can't be. No. Oh,
3: look at his hands. His feet. Oh,
2: God. God is dead. Say Satan dead?
0: lives. The air is one. Of course, guy, he gives a shitty explanation. Oh yeah, more just guy being a piece of shit though. This is where he gets spat in the face by Rosemary, so that's good. Though I wish she could have done more. Should have just fucking knocked his ass out or stabbed him. Something. She had the knife. No, yeah, piece of shit. Guy was like, oh, you know, this is no big deal. It would have been no different if, you know, like if you had a miscarriage. So we could just have another one. We could just have another one. And that's where she. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people, it it looks like powerful people from all over the world are in this room. All here to see the arrival of the Antichrist. This is where Rosemary, she's just kind of like, what the Holy shit! And then um, she notices the the ladies rocking her too hard. She mentions it, that that's where she sticks her tongue out at Rosemary, and I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's where, we, but this is where we get our ending. Rosemary decides she's going to be the mother of the Antichrist because, as Roman said, aren't you his mother? Yep. Uh, so we get that nice scene of. Her rocking the child, the cameras zooming out and then panning over the city as we entered the movie. So we exit with the pan in to the pan out, over the city to Rosemary's Lullaby and that's, that's the movie. So uh, overall it's a classic film, very important and despite the um, added shit with Roman Polanski this is a very beloved film, adored by many, myself included, uh, and Justin a little bit now. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> Thought you said you really liked it on the third watch. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Did you not?
1: I did. It was all right. I mean, it's not. I'm not gonna revere it in like such a high level as some other people. Oh well. But yes, it was a very wonderful movie. Do I think it should be held like at a high standard, in my opinion? No. Because, I, I mean, this just my personal opinion. I didn't like it's good, but is it like way high up on a pedestal? In my opinion, no.
0: Oh. Well, it's okay. People are allowed to be wrong. So. <laughs> like me. <laughs> Uh, that's gonna be it for Rosemary's Baby. We had a hard time recording this because everything seemed to go wrong. <laughs> uh, the devil didn't want us to make this episode, so. Obviously. Um, speaking of that, next up we have The Exorcist. Yay! Uh, I figured you want to drop a line or something. Oh, I cast you out, or uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell, Karis, or. I don't know. Either The power of Christ compels you. That's a good one. All right, so join us next time for The Exorcist in Fear in the Faith. Uh, It should be a hell of a good time.
2: A hell of a good time? Seriously?
0: Don't you got enough to worry about over there?
2: Yeah, how's the baby coming along? It's a
1: boy! Well, congratulations. Now... Get us the fuck out of here.
0: Yeah, what are we still doing here, if you don't mind us asking?
2: Your purpose will be revealed in the coming days. Well, shit. We have stuff to do. How long are we gonna be here? Bringing about the devil into our world is a lengthy process. Now enough questions. We must prepare for the second part of the ritual. Stick around. We'll be back.